You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. Hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast, episode 174 here on Rocket Sports Radio, where we keep you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Chris G, and I'll be your host today. Today is Saturday, January 15th, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports. It's a lot of hats, but he he wears them all well. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I do my best. Um, Yeah, I'm doing well. Glad to have you back in the the hosting chair. Um, And we actually have games to talk about this week. We have Canadians games. We have Laval Rocket games. uh, So a little bit of game action, uh, which is a little different than what it's been in the weeks past. Yeah, and the thing that was weird, well, that was weird, it was like the the Rocket, the Canadians, like they were both off for a long time. And then on their first game back, we're both simultaneously at the same time. It's crazy. It's like, I know, it's like, you know, spread it out. You know, we, only, we only have two eyeballs, but, you know, we, we managed to uh, to watch both. We did. Uh, coming up in uh, today's episode, well, there's, we'll, we'll keep you updated and give you some news on uh, the, the roster, uh, can, including Saturday's practice with the Canadians in the Chicago before they headed to, uh, to Arizona. There was, uh, there was a lot of updates coming out of uh, that practice. Uh, we'll talk about the Laval Rocket, who played two games uh, this week. And we're going to talk about some updates that were provided some uh, some updates, some life updates, or some news that were provided by a couple of uh, spouses of some Canadians uh, players. And in our big talk, big topic segment, it's been reported that the number of general manager candidates remaining has considerably been reduced. So we'll give you more details and our thoughts on that in our second segment, the big topic segment. So first, let's talk about the two games that the Canadians uh, played this week. And don't forget, you can check out comprehensive previews and post-game reviews for every Canadians game at allhabs.net. So it started on Wednesday. The Canadians were in Boston for game one of their seven-game road trip. And, well, Brad Marchand, who else? He scored a hat-trick to lead the Bruins to a 5-1 win. 
Michael Pezzetta was Montreal's only goal scorer with his second goal of uh, the season. And well, both of his goals were scored against the Bruins. So I guess we could start calling him a Bruins killer for uh, Michael Pezzetta. On the Thursday. And, and, and uh, he seemed to get under the Bruins' skin that night, uh, drawing a penalty, uh, playing the power play, uh, which, uh, good for him. I mean, uh, and he almost drew, he drew the atten- attention of Patrice Bergeron uh, as well, who was upset with him. So it wasn't much of a game. Um, it was, um, you know, Jake Allen going out early with, with an injury uh, and uh, Brad Marchand doing his thing. Yeah, who else, right? Um, and it, the only resemblance of a rivalry was when there was, you know, the, the scuffling and, and Pizzetta riling up folks. So, um, uh, entertainment from, uh, Michael Pizzetta, not much else, uh, to get excited about in this game. Yeah. And I found it like from all the players, like the one that I was least expecting from the Bruins to get uh, bothered from Michael Pizzetta was, was, uh, Patrice Bergeron, but he, he, Michael Pizzetta got to him as well. <laughs> exactly. And then on Thursday, the Canadians were off to a horrible start in Chicago, and they were outshot 13-3 to through 20 minutes by the Blackhawks. And uh, during the first intermission, uh, Ducharme, the players, uh, they all spoke to amongst each other because they weren't impressed with their performance, and it worked. The Canadians outshot the Hawks 17-6 to in the second period and took a 2-1 to lead after 40 minutes. Chicago they tied a score late in the third period to send the game in overtime before Chicago scored a controversial goal that needed a double review. So that's crazy. When's the last time you've seen a double review on a goal? And while the game-winning goal was first reviewed for goal interference, the referee announced that it was ruled a good goal, told us to wait, put up a hand gesture, told us wait. He specifically knew what was going to happen, so he warned us with his hand gesture. And then he went on to tell us the play will be reviewed for offside. And then at that point, the linesman, they grabbed the little iPad that's in the uh, the penalty box area, and they ruled the goal was onside. And Chicago became out victorious, 3-2 to two on Thursday night against the Blackhawks. And, and Rick, like the, those whole, what is it, like five, six minutes, whatever it took for the whole sequence to get reviewed, was uh, was quite something. Yeah, certainly, um, you know, the, the Canadians have a long uh, history with an original six uh, rival like the Chicago Blackhawks, but I can, uh, I'm pretty confident saying no um, Canadians Blackhawks game ever ended like that before. Um, it was quite surreal. I, and, and listen, it was a, a pretty entertaining game. And there was, there were, from the Canadians' perspective, like you said, Awful first period, but then, uh, as Nick Suzuki said, uh, post game said, we, we had a little chat in the first intermission, uh, as you referred to, uh, and they came out really strong. Uh, Ryan Paling, I thought, was terrific in the game, uh, both ends of the ice, um, creating uh, havoc in front of uh, Flurry and, and uh, uh, Alexander Romanoff, huge hit. On uh, on Sam Lafferty, um, I, I, uh, Jeff Petrie scored his first goal of the season in his 29th game. Um, you know there was there's lots to be excited about, but uh, that that review double review as you said, um, did they get it right? 
Listen, I think on the first call, on the on the whether whether the goal whether it was a goal or not, um, yeah. According to the rule, according to the rule, um, you know, if if the goal is is displaced um, and it's been displaced by the defending team, and in this case, you have to say it was. Uh, Mike Hoffman that went in hard and and uh, pushed Montembeau to the back of the net, yeah, it was caused by um, Mike Hoffman, and um, then uh, it says that you know would the would the puck have crossed where the posts were and 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 yeah, that's true. So I'm I'm okay. I understand that decision. I, it 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 follows the rules to me. The the offside one though. I'm, and I think part of it is we didn't get to see um, what the what the linesman uh, got to see um, because you know all the views were from the center ice camera or or thereabouts and it looked offside and and there was the issue of whether he had control going across and and you can you, the feet can go ahead as long as um, of the puck, as long as, uh, the possession is, is is, control is, is, um, you know, before the skates go across, uh, we didn't see the blue line camera, uh, and, and maybe it's that angle. Listen, it was really close. Um, I, I don't know that I, I would have called it, uh, onside linesman had a better view than we did. Um, they called it onside Uh, tough, really tough, tough break for, for the Canadians losing both of those challenges. And I think for the offside, it was also, I think, it was taking consideration was that the rule on the ice was that yeah. uh, he was on site. So for sure that was a consideration as well. And like, if there's other angles available to the league, like why don't they just show them? <laughs> like, like why don't they make them available for the TV broadcasters? Why don't they post them on social media? Or even when they, they post out a post explaining the ruling, at least make it available at that time and say, this is the angle that we saw. This is why we called it that way. I think mm-hmm. it would um, it would make things much clearer. And even after the game, Dominic Ducharme, he wasn't happy about those calls. And it's it's probably like the, the press conference where we saw Ducharme uh, visibly upset. Very short answers to all the questions, which is something also that we don't see often. Well, I don't think we've ever seen such short answers from the coach since uh, since he took over. Ducharme was interesting in the post game because uh, he said he lost, you know, they, they lost both of those. Uh, they were on the wrong side of both of the challenges there. Um, but he, they, he then went on to say, he said, I think I'm 0 for 10. Uh, over the last uh, year or so, and and I don't know, I don't know, I know he was emotional and and felt frustrated, uh, but there's been quite a few times when I've questioned his, um, and it's not all coming from him. He's he's getting advice from the the video folks, uh, but I've questioned his uh, his challenges in the past. So I don't know if if uh, pointing out that he he's not very good on challenges was uh, was very favorable to the coach there yeah so it was it was quite something it was it was quite entertaining quite entertaining game regardless of it and considering the 
considering the Canadians are 32nd in the league, like the extra point that they didn't get, you know, it's not the uh, it's not the end of the world. But imagine this being game 82 the regular season, and they needed that extra point to make it to a playoff spot. I think that would have been something yep. for, for a way to finish. All right, let's go to uh, roster news now. And well, during that game against the uh, the Boston Bruins, uh, like Rick mentioned earlier, Jake Allen he got hurt after Brad Marchand's first goal. It seemed like he stayed on the ice a bit, try to try to shake it off. But then at the next TV timeout, after he allowed a second goal, I should say, 15 seconds later, uh, during the subsequent uh, TV timeout, he was pulled, and Samuel Montebo came in to relief to finish that game. And while the Canadians uh, announced on Friday that uh, Jake Allen has returned to Montreal for further evaluation, and the only timeline that we've received so far is that Jake Allen will miss at least one week. Uh, likely more, but officially on paper, they've said he's missed one week of, uh, of action. And the subsequent, subsequent move as a result of that injury was Caden Primo. He, he he was out of protocol as well. He joined the team on the road. He was recalled from the taxi squad on an emergency basis. And with uh, three games in uh, four days, uh, we should likely see Caden Primo get at least one of those uh, starts uh, this week. Tough for, tough uh, for Jake Allen because he had just come back. He hadn't played in a while and and yeah, he tried to push to his his left on that Marchand goal, the first goal, and and uh, you saw that he had he tweaked something. He was in pain right away, very discomfort. He tried not to, um, he tried not to come out, but the trainer said, called him over, and and uh, and the decision was made to to uh, to pull it, the right decision. Uh, but you could tell that that Allen didn't want to come out of the game. And likely the long layoff between games certainly, yeah. I think, had a factor into that injury as uh, as well. So it's, it's so even like when when players come out of protocol, like we we've heard for the players that uh, uh, that Don uh, Donald Dominic Ducharme has said that you know it's not fair if you just come out of protocol with just one minute. Like they need to practice a couple of times. It's harder to do for for a goalie, and I think that contributed as well to uh, Allen's injury. On uh, on Wednesday, it was a busy day on Wednesday. The Canadians, they picked up Rem Pitlick on the waivers from the Minnesota Wild. It was the second time this season that uh, he was placed on waivers and claimed. So he, he's had his, um, he's been living in a suitcase, I guess, since the start of the season. And he made his Habs debut against the uh, Blackhawks on uh, Thursday. With the Wild, uh, Pitlick had 11 points in uh, 20 uh, games. And Versus Chicago, he played 19 minutes, including uh, some time on the power play. He played on uh, on the line with uh, Jonathan Joy and Radek Dvorak. Rick, what are your thoughts on the, the Canadiens' acquisition? I, you know, Rem Pitluck is there to fill a hole and and a useful player, and 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 as it ever evidenced by him picking being picked up for the second time on waivers. He's a fourth line player. He was playing for Minnesota on the fourth line, nine minutes or so a, a game. Um, probably not, not well suited to uh, uh, where he was playing uh, in the top six. Um, he's going to play there again. Uh, at least he's practiced there on Saturday uh, with Dvorak and Duran. 
Um, I think they're trying to see what uh, what he has, what what uh, uh, what he can deliver, and and you know there we expect there's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of uh, players out uh, or, or moved out, um, and so he he's going to serve a. Um, you know, be one of those utility guys that can move up and down the line. Um, you know, he, he skates really well. Um, his 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 uh, passing or his decision making with the top line, eh, maybe not so great. Um, but uh, you know, he had uh, some offense, uh, ridiculous shooting percentage, forty some odd percent shooting percentage in uh, Minnesota. Um, so he can, he can contribute here and there. I, I think he's just, you know, uh, one of those guys that can fill a hole, uh, when you have a lot of movement in your roster. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's also played center, uh, before. So I think he could play both wings and, uh, and on the center as well. That's right. No, he, he didn't, he played on the wing for Minnesota, but he is, uh, capable of playing uh, center as well. And, and we should mention that uh, Rem's brother, Rhett, is also uh, a member of the Canadians organization drafted uh, a couple of years back. And another news from Saturday's uh, practice, uh, Josh Anderson, he, he he joined the team in the non-contact jersey for uh, for the first time. Like He had practice with a team in the... With a no contact jersey, sorry. So Saturday he he was in a regular jersey, and it seems like he'll be ready to go for Monday against the uh, Arizona Coyotes, and uh, he was on the line with uh, Mike Hoffman and Nick Suzuki. So it'll be um, top line for uh, Josh Anderson to return. He's been absent for uh, you know for a significant amount of time with uh, with injury, and he seems to be uh, ready to go on Monday afternoon. In, um, and then on defense, on Saturday's practice, Kale Clegg, he returns uh, as well. And uh, he was back skating with the team. And uh, will doesn't seem like he, he'll play. He's, he skated with Sami Niku on what seemed to be the fourth pairing on, um, on defense on, uh, on Saturday. And maybe Rick, we, uh, we could do a quick run through of the Canadians' uh, lines on uh, Saturday. Uh, the first line: Mike Hoffman with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson. The second line: uh, Pitlick with Dvorak and Joy. The third line: Lekkonen, Evans, and Armia. That line has had success in the past. And then the the fourth line: uh, Paquette with Paling and. Caulfield and Pizzetta was rotating with Paquette on that one. And then the, there was a couple of extras, uh, Vedemo and uh, Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli seems to be getting closer uh, to joining the team's practice. He has that and hand then, injury. And, uh, yeah, he'll, he may get a chance on the road, uh, not not in the next couple of games, but later on. Yeah, and a defense defense pairing: Sherrod with uh, Savard, uh, Romanov with Petrie, Kulak with Weidman, and then Niku with uh, Kale Craig, or the defensive uh, pairings. That that leaves, uh, by all counts, that leaves probably Harvey Pinard and Belzile as the only two players left on COVID protocol, uh, by our count. Which we remember uh, not so long ago, it was 24 players. Uh, so they've they've all come off quite quickly and and returned. 
well, uh, returned in various um, uh, degrees, uh, depending on, on how they've uh, been affected um, uh, during their, their COVID uh, stint. Um, something interesting that you pointed out, uh, I thought, was that uh, now uh, they will not be tested for 90 days, uh, having, having uh, had a bout of COVID, those uh, 24 players uh, or at least 22 now, uh, won't be tested for the next 90 days. Uh, so as Nick Suzuki said, we, we, we expect to have um, all those guys around for uh, the next few months at least. Yeah, so it, so at least we know what the Canadians went through with uh, in the first, well, uh, since the start of the season, it, it shouldn't repeat itself. We might have a couple of one or two players here and there, but uh, not to go to that point where, where it was. Uh uh, speaking of players, there's also Paul Byron. He he's expected to join the team on the road as well. So he 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 was injured, significant injury, and then went through COVID. Uh, first because he was exposed to somebody with COVID, and then he had COVID himself. But everything should be cleared, and he should uh, he's expected to join the team in Arizona uh, sometime. I'm guessing on Monday or tomorrow. Who knows? But he's uh, he's getting closer and closer to returning with uh, the Montreal Canadiens. In uh, other news from earlier uh, earlier in the week, Canadian defenseman Chris Weidman he was suspended for one game for headbutting Bruins uh, forward uh, Eric Halla, and it happened after a whistle. Uh, Eric Halla had a good. Uh, a WWE chokehold <laughs> on Chris Weidman, and uh, Weidman headbutted uh, the Bruins forward, and that led Rick to a one-game suspension. And I think it was pretty evident that that was going to happen as soon as uh, as soon as we saw what uh, Weidman did. Yeah, he was going to get supplementary discipline, whether it was a you know a, a fine or or one game, and and probably that uh, it makes sense and and deserved. And then in the game on on Thursday, this was one of the reasons also that uh, Dominic Ducharme was upset after uh, the the game when he spoke to the media. Uh, Chicago's uh, Calvin DeHaan, he was fined $2,500 for a dangerous trip on uh, Cole Caulfield. So it was a slew foot that happened behind uh, Chicago's net. And Rick, we've seen the president. You know, we've seen P.K. Subban do it a couple of times this year. Uh, Kevin DeHaan, uh, the league, ah, sent a message. I don't know how much $2,500 is for, for an NHL player, but uh, at least a message was sent. Yeah, and, and if you add those all, was uh, P.K. Subban, did he do four or five slewfoots this season? And he was fined $15,000, I believe. Um, it's it's really dangerous, and, and uh, I wish, I really wish the... Uh, probably probably more dangerous than the the headbutt. I, I I don't like the headbutt either. I should I shouldn't say that, but uh, the the slew foots, especially the ones by PK Subban, have resulted in some pretty significant injuries uh, for the 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 players who who were impacted. So um, I, I'd I'd like to see the the league take uh, that a little bit more seriously. Yeah, and Jerem uh, was upset for that play because there was no penalty called on that play. So he, Jerem uh, knew that something was going to come because he, he kind of mentioned it, but he was upset that there was no penalty called on that play by the uh, the officials. All right, let's move on and let's talk about the Canadians' prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. 
your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Laval returned to action on Wednesday at Place Bell with uh, no fans in attendance. Uh, Jean-Sébastien Day, he broke the 2-2 tie in the third period to give Laval a 3-2 win over Syracuse. Uh, Michael McNiven was named the first star of the game with uh, 31 saves and, well, he was subsequently recalled to the taxi squad by the Canadians on uh, on Thursday. On Friday, the Rocket closed a two-goal deficit during the third period in Springfield to send the game in overtime. And, yes, J.S. Day, once again, he scored the game-winning goal during the first minute of overtime to give Laval a 4-3 win. Next game for Laval is on Saturday, to later today, when they're in Hartford, as the Rockets try to extend their winning streak to four games. So, and, and Rick, it's, it's a lineup, it's a depleted lineup for, for the Rocket. You know, it's a domino effect. Whatever happens to Canadians affects the, the lower leagues. But it seems like the Rocket, like they're, they're, they're doing well despite it, the losses in their roster. Yeah, JST, that was um, uh, uh, quite an effort uh, this week, and and against his uh, former teams uh, in uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds, and and uh, uh, Kevin Poulin, as you said, the the, the roster is uh, affected, and that impacts goaltending probably more than. Uh, any other position. Um, Michael McNiven played pretty well um, earlier in the week. Uh, Friday night, it was Kevin Poulin, who was an adventure all night. He was all over the place. Uh, I, I, there was a couple of questionable, questionable goals, but uh, a couple of spectacular saves, uh, too. So a uh, very entertaining game, I thought, and, and a comeback win for the uh, Laval Rocket. And uh, in other prospect news, there was a Canadian's prospect. Rick, why don't you tell us a prospect who will uh, represent Team USC at the Olympics? That's Sean Farrell, and we remember Sean Farrell uh, from the Chicago Steel in the, the USHL. Had a 101-point uh, season uh, last year, spectacular, uh, and is, is moved to the NCAA uh, this season for Har- Harvard. Um, and really hasn't missed a beat. Um, he has 19 points in 13 games, uh, great season, um, and uh, a real feather in his cap to be invited to the uh, U.S. Olympic team. And just a reminder to uh, make sure to read the content over at ahl.report and listen and subscribe to uh, the Prezone podcast which is uh, published every Tuesday with uh, Amy Johnson and, uh, and Rick. In, uh, in, in our interesting quotes of the week, we had a couple of them that we'd like to, uh, to share with, with your listeners. Um, and while the Canadians, they were on forced break starting uh, after their New Year game against the Florida Panthers, well, they had to quarantine for, you know, for at least five, five days. And then, well, they were able to go out and start doing anything they can to stay in shape and be ready for when activities uh, resumed. And, well, Canadian's defenseman, Chris Weidman, uh, he wasn't the only one, but a couple of Canadian's players did mention that they went to outdoor skating rinks to uh, to get their, to put 
to get on the ice. And Weidman earlier this week shared about shared a story, an anecdote of what happened when he went skating. It's just so fun, like getting to you know work with some of the kids on shooting and passing. And I think the first day I was out there for about an hour and a half um, by myself and and with some of the neighborhood kids. So um, that's something I really enjoy. And I think that I was out there maybe four or five minutes and, and a you know, younger kid skated up to me. He's like, Hey man, uh, you're pretty good. Where do you play? And so, uh, we had a good chuckle, but <laughs> that's, that must've been fun for, uh, for the kid, uh, his reaction when he said, uh, oh, I play for the Montreal Canadians. Um, uh, Chris Weidman, maybe not one of the more recognizable members of the Montreal Canadiens, being his first year coming from the KHL last year. Uh, Chris Weidman has been, um, I think, a pretty good addition. He's had a decent season, uh, even under consideration for the All-Star game, according to the NHL.com editors. Uh, but he said that this was his first experience um, going to a community rink. He never had the chance uh a community outdoor rink. He never had the chance when he was a kid, and and he really enjoyed it. It w- went a couple of times, um, and then had this encounter with this one young boy. Yeah, so the host uh, quite quite the story. We just never found out what happened after he told me he played for the Canadians. The story, That's right. it's an unfinished story. Like we need a sequel for uh, for that movie. <laughs> um, in another clip, uh, we can move on to after the game between the Canadians and uh, the Blackhawks. And one of the turning points for the Canadians in, in that game was, well, Alexander uh, Romanov. He delivered a, a solid hit on uh, Sam Lafferty uh, on the boards. It was a clean hit. Uh, but then Ryan Carpenter from the Blackhawks, he, I guess he didn't like it, and well, he he dropped the gloves right away, like or, uh, even before seeing what happened or anything. Carpenter's uh, gloves were on the ice, and well, it, it led to a fight, and the Canadians ended up getting a power play because uh, Carpenter was given a, a two-minute uh, instigator uh, on that play, and after the game. Uh, Romanov was asked what his thoughts were on having to fight after delivering a, a clean legal hit. Nobody like uh, to get hits. Uh, the, that's why they react like that. So I always ready to drop the gloves, but like I'm ready. <laughs> the best part of that is the laugh. Always ready to drop the gloves. Always ready, and then he laughs. <laughs> Um, he enjoyed it. Um, he enjoyed the hit and he said, you know, nobody likes to get hit. Um, uh, but, uh, he, he is expecting to have to defend himself. He defended himself and, and Ryan Carpenter, what a dumb move that was, uh, gave the Canadians a, a power play and, and, uh, Carpenter got a 10 minute misconduct out of it as well. So took himself out of the game for a bit. Um, but didn't seem to face uh, um, Alexander Romanov one bit. And, and Romanov, as we know, is in the top 10 in hits uh, in the National Hockey League. And not just, you know, any hits, the, the punishing hits, hits that hurt. Uh, and, and that one certainly did on, on Sam Lafferty. Yeah, the only thing I said, I find it unfortunate out of this is, is that Romanov delivers like a solid, uh, clean hit. And it ends up he for a five-minute penalty for him because of the fight, but yep. that's uh, that's hockey, I guess. 
Uh, after the game, Dominic Ducharme was asked uh, the same question and his thoughts about uh, having to drop the gloves after delivering illegal hit. Uh, it's too bad. I mean, uh, for Romanov, you know, uh, he's a guy that hits hard and and clean, and it's part of hockey. So if you want to, if you don't want to be on the ice and get hit, do something else. I mean, I, it was a clean hit, uh, just hard hit. It's part of hockey. So find another job if you don't like getting hit, according to Dominic Ducharmin. And to be fair, it wasn't um, Sam Lafferty, that, uh, the person who got hit, who objected to the hit. <laughs> it, it, was, it was Ryan Carpenter who stepped in uh, that I guess those comments were directed at. Uh, maybe it was a general comment that, that he made. <laughs> Uh, in other Montreal Canadiens news, uh, the, the All-Star roster, NHL All-Star roster, well, the, the representatives from every team were announced and the Canadian representative will be, it's not Chris Weidman like Rick mentioned earlier, it will be uh, Nick Suzuki who will be named to the Canadian representative for the All-Star game in Las Vegas. And... Rick, not many choices <laughs> that would have been good ones for the Canadians, but I guess considering the Canadians have to send somebody, Nick Suzuki seems to be the right decision. Yeah, I agree. Um, th- I, when I saw the NHL.com editors saying uh, Chris Weidman, I, that, I really raised my eyebrow at that. And maybe you could make a, a case for Ben Sherratt, who um, has uh, has played very well and uh, led the defense, and and maybe that would have helped his trade value more than it already is. I don't know, but but no, Nick Suzuki, of course, is the logical representative for the Canadians. Each team, by the rules, have to be represented, uh, so he's a logical choice for the Montreal Canadiens. And and I know that some fans are. Um, you know, has, saying that it's silly that that you know that that representation rule keeps others out, um, but the, you know the All Star Game isn't terribly serious anyway. So, um, and and they they want to have uh, all fans from all teams tuning in. So I understand why the NHL um, structures it that way. In um, in in other news. Um, in the last week, uh, Angela Price, Julie Petrie, and uh, Lisa Lizanne Wallet, so the spouses of Carrie Price, Jeff Petrie, and Xavier Wallet, uh, they each revealed details of their family lives in individual posts. Uh, so Angela Price did it through her website. Uh, Julie Petrie and Lizanne Wallet did it through um, through their Instagram accounts. And let's begin with uh, with Angela Price. So Angela Price regularly posts uh, what she calls a life update on her on her site. And while in her post uh, that was published earlier this week, she she spoke about uh, various different subjects, uh, including she spoke about uh, mental health and she said how she was uh, blindsided, just like everybody else was when uh, Carrie told her that he wanted to eat, enter a treatment facility, uh, I guess it was back in um, in August. And she also spoke about the support that she received from, from family, from friends, from other uh, hockey wives as well. But she also mentioned the Canadians and she said that um, uh, the Canadians have been family to, to her and the Carrie Price family for the last 12 years in Montreal. And uh, she, she wrote, luckily I was able to speak with Mark Bergevin, who had also been the person within the organization that Carrie confided in when all of this went down in the first place. 
And Angela said, went on to write that uh, she was sad to see Bergevin let go because uh, her and Carrie had gained so much respect for him during all all of this. And she writes that she felt that uh, Bergevin cared about her circumstances and was in their corner, and he seemed to understand what Carrie Price and their, their family needed. But she also went on to uh, give her support to, uh, to, the, to the decisions that... Uh, Jeff Molson made and uh, the new management team that's on its way being built. Yeah, these are, are, are things we don't usually report on is, is spouses and social media, but th- this dr- impacted so directly on um, the, the players uh, that we thought it was pretty important uh, to focus on. Uh, uh, Angela Price um, on her uh, blog usually uh, is pretty revealing about their family, about um, Carrie and and we remember um, her blog post describing how difficult it was uh, to go through the the uh, expansion draft uh, uh, decision. It was Carrie's decision um, to uh, to save uh, Jake Allen, uh, but once they made that decision, they were really concerned that uh, Carrie might be picked by. Um, Seattle Kraken. That was that added stress and tension. Having got so close to the Stanley Cup, that was pressure. That was tension. That was stress. Uh, his his uh, knee surgery. All of that kind of uh, combined uh, to really uh, affect the mental health of of Carey Price. And as you said, Angela Price really didn't understand it um, until Carey made the decision to. Uh, enter the treatment facility, and uh, and I think um, you know she talked about there's there's lots of things that Mark Bergevin did wrong, lots, um, and I'm not here to defend any of that. But I think where we can say Mark Bergevin was very compassionate. He had a great connection with his players. He cared about his players. He cared about them until he didn't care about them, and then he trashed them in the media. But but that's a different thing. But you know, player after player have spoken about the special relationship that he has with uh, with the players, and and maybe none stronger than the relationship between Bergevin and Carey Price. And and listen, to be honest, any uh, success that Mark Bergevin, Bergevin Bergevin had was delivered by Carey Price, so we can understand that uh, connection. Um, but it was it was really I think revealing in in Angela's uh, uh, blog post uh, for her to describe it in her own words, uh, um, and um, I, I think there's there's much to be learned about listening to the spouses. And uh, moving on now to uh, to Julie uh, to Jules Petrie, and she posted on her Instagram account that you know so Jeff Petrie with his family they had gone to Michigan over the the, the holidays, and then well when it was time to come back to Montreal, uh, Jeff Petrie came back alone like his family they they made a decision to stay behind in Michigan closer to their uh, to their family as as well so Jeff Petrie will be alone in Montreal until the end of um, until the end of the regular season so so Rick that again it's this will be like another difficult situation for for a player to to go through over the next couple of months till the season is uh, is over it's really tough, um, and I think back to 
Uh, last year, John Merrill made the same decision to leave his family, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, and they all talked about how difficult it was to leave uh, their family, especially, I mean, uh, Julie Petrie and, and Jeff, they have three young boys, um, and to be away, and, and face FaceTime isn't the same, um, but they made the decision for the 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 health and safety of the kids uh, to, to stay in Michigan rather than being um, in Montreal. And, and um, I, I, and I, I, they have family that, that can support them um, as well. Um, And I, I think that um, just, she made a comment uh, about the, the, that that it's less uh, safe or less healthy. And I guess because of the, the Omicron um, uh, cases that are, are exploding in Quebec, that she, as a family, they just felt felt safer for the, the sake of the boys uh, to stay behind, although it's, uh, you know, really painful for, for, these, uh, for these families. And, and also, uh, speaking of Michigan, another fellow Michigan resident, uh, Lizanne Ouellette, the spouse of Xavier Ouellette, who's with the Laval Rocket, uh, so, so in in brief, for uh, for the Wallets, all of them they got COVID on December twenty second in Michigan, and while Lazan was upset with the measures in place in Canada and the quarantine requirement, especially for the four year old daughter, and she just expressed her frustration on uh, Instagram for for uh, for that as uh, for that situation as well. But now it seems like they're they're back in uh, they're back in the country. Yeah, and uh, her comment, obviously very frustrated. I hate this country, she said. Um, and, but I think it was more about um, she felt that the government was, um, had sent a really uh, stark uh, email and, and, uh, and threatening. Um, she perceived it as being threatening to their daughter. Um, and and you, you fully understand uh, that that a parent is going to be uh, very protective um, of of their child, especially a young child like that. Uh, but these are all the 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 external the outside uh, pressures uh, that each of these players and their families are going through, in addition to uh, the turmoil that's going on on the ice uh, for the Montreal Canadiens this season. In, um, in other news, the NHL met with the government of Quebec on Thursday regarding the return of the Nordique. So we knew that this uh, meeting was going to happen at some point. Uh, the league said that it was not in a position to respond positively to Quebec's interest in a return. So that was according to uh, tweets that were posted by Quebec's finance minister, Eric Girard, after the meeting. Uh, Gary Bettman described their meeting as cordial and that they will stay in touch if anything changes. So, Rick, uh, no, uh, no big surprise from any of this. No, nothing's happening there. Um, there, there isn't going to be a return to go back anytime soon. Um, and uh, uh, the, 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 the word that I thought was was very interesting in the statement from uh, Bettman and Daly was. Um, the statement goes on to say, we explained that while we were appreciative and we're flattered by the interest expressed, <laughs> it's, it sounds like, you know, um, uh, a girl giving a guy a bad news. I'm flattered that you're interested in me, but uh, we, we, we have no interest. I'm sorry. Um, it, it's just that 
Um, you know, they said there's there's not going to be expansion in the coming uh, in the future. There isn't a team ready to move. We 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 think about Arizona each time and and the Canadians' opponent on Monday. But uh, I don't. I can't. Gary Bettman has so much invested in having that the Coyotes in Arizona that I I don't think that's an option. And um, so they just promised to to stay in touch. It, it was a PR move. Um, you know, the, the, the premier uh, uh, it wants to sh- seem that, that he's invested in having a return uh, to Quebec by the NHL. Gary Bettman is allowed to go out, and, and if any of his, his franchises get out of line saying, hey, we got some interest in Quebec, so, you know, toe the line sort of thing. So they both, both sides use this opportunity uh, in a PR way. Uh, but unfortunately, for the good people in Quebec City, uh, nothing's going to happen anytime soon. All right, it's time to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Coming up next in our big talk pick segment, the Canadian GM search has moved on to the second round. We'll provide an update and our thoughts on that process. But first, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Canadian Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the president and the founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, AllHabs. And you can follow Habs Connection on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And uh, just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadian Connection Podcast in the player or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave a rating and your comments as well. And don't forget to share the podcast with uh, with everybody that you know, uh, Canadians fans, not Canadians fans. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we know that they'll love the, uh, the Canadians Connection. 
All right, it's time now for our big topic segment, and it's being reported that round one of the interviews for the Canadian's general manager, the next Canadian general manager, have been completed, and the three to four candidates have been invited to participate in the uh, second interview, including Matthew Darsh, Danny Briere, and uh, Kent Hughes, who was not included in uh, in the first round. And while we're not surprised that. Patrick Watt isn't on the uh, on uh, that list, and uh, even on Saturday in the Journal de Montréal, Marc Defoy he said that his sources have told him that Patrick Watt wasn't uh, reached out, wasn't contacted for round two of uh, the uh, general manager search, and this general manager process is starting to look more of like a like a reality TV show. Maybe they should do like a show every Sunday, and you know they eliminate one candidate at a time. But anyways, that's a different story for a different uh, for a different episode, I guess. All right, let's begin with um, with uh, Matthew uh, Darsh. Matthew Darsh, who is currently with the uh, Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. One thing that I noticed, Rick, but I'm not sure how it was before, off his Twitter profile, when I checked earlier, he's removed everything off his Twitter profile. It doesn't say his title, it doesn't say anything anymore, and it seems like he put up a new um, profile picture. Uh, so Matthew Darsh, he's been with the Tampa Bay Lightning for what the last two years since uh, 2019. Uh, you know, besides uh, Julien Brisbois, who uh, Julien Brisbois actually had some some quite some nice words for him uh, this week in a, in a story published in the the Athletic. He wrote that he's got a phenomenal personality, really good people skills, really good emotional intelligence. His playing background in the NHL, but also in Europe and the minors, being a player that established himself in the NHL around the age of 30, it really shows a lot of resilience, persistence, and dedication to his craft and passion for the game. If given the chance to run his own program somewhere, I'm sure he's going to do great for the same reason. I know he would do great in the role I have for him. His leadership skills, his people skills, his expertise in the game of hockey and management in general make him a really strong candidate for leadership positions in any organization, particularly the uh, the NHL. So those are some some uh, strong words, Rick, from, uh, from Julien Brisbois. It's interesting to me, um, I, J- Matthew Darsh, I, amongst the fans uh, outside of, of Patrick Waugh, but with the the, uh, the small three to four person group, is probably the favorite amongst the Canadians uh, fan base. Um, and, and I think Matthew Darsh gets uh, a lot of credit and, and there is the question of how much he has contributed um, he hasn't been, as you said, uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning very long. Um, you know, he came from uh, Del Mar Freight Management after his uh, uh, after his playing career ended, uh, where he was there for for a couple of years. Um, Breezeball's comments were uh, very positive, but in a v- very narrow range. They talked about his people skills. They talked about his personality. They talked about uh, that he he has uh, compassion and and uh, emotional intelligence. Um, he doesn't say that he's a salary cap expert, as Breezebaugh himself was when he was with the Canadians. Doesn't say that he's really good at talent evaluation. Doesn't say that he's really good with uh, negotiation. All all of those 
uh, care, skills are, are necessary to be a good general manager. Um, so I, th- I uh, listen, uh, Breezeball was very complimentary that Darsh is a good person, and I think that's probably fair. Uh, but like most, uh, well, maybe all of the candidates on the on the list, he really doesn't have a lot of GM experience. Um, and and I I, th- I thought it was very interesting, uh, curious actually that um, Breezebois went out of his way to to praise him, but not necessarily uh, specify the kinds of skills that'll be needed to be a successful general manager. Yeah, and I know those skills. Like I think, like a lot of, like I think that's why Jeff Gordon is in the picture also to to assist anybody, not 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 specifically Matthew Darsh or whoever gets selected to assist him with all of that. Like for the salary cap, there's John Sedwick as well, who's in, uh, who's around, who can also um, who can also uh, assist. Because I like you said, I think from all the candidates, even Briere and Ken Hughes that we're going to talk about now, like. Like they they don't have GM experience, so I, I think at at some point although they they just have to choose from those candidates who they think has the 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 best potential or the 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 best fit. Just, just before uh, we move to the next one, uh, and and just because you mentioned his name, uh, John Cedric. Um, interesting to me that Eric Engels mentioned earlier this week, or or asked the question, I guess. Why isn't John Sedgwick a candidate for GM? He does uh, have uh, a great deal of experience with the cap, uh, with the the contract negotiations, uh, was involved in every step, was side by side with uh, with Mark Bergevin. Um, may not be as he's you know in Montreal. He's he's. Uh, can speak French, uh, maybe maybe not as as fluently as as the other candidates. But I thought it was a a very interesting question asked by Eric Ingalls. Why not John Cedric? Um, so I don't know his, his background. I'm not sure if you know the answer. Like, do you know like from a player evaluation perspective? Like, do we know if he has any experience on that side of? He's he's of a it? lawyer. He's 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 a legal mind, but he has been involved uh, with in all the discussions. Um, would he be the best talent evaluator? Probably not. But I I don't know that. Um, you know. Is Kent Hughes? I I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, just, I, I just thought it was uh, an interesting question by uh, Eric Ingalls. Yeah, and I, and I know in the interim, like um, like John Fossil from the Rocket, uh, he before it was uh, Scott Mellenby who he had most mm-hmm. of his discussions with, and now it's John Sedwick where he's um, who's acting as the the governor. I think is the word that they used <laughs> for the Rocket temporarily. Uh, if we move on to uh, Daniel Briere, so Briere, after retiring as a player in 2015, he immediately joined the front office of the Philadelphia Flyers, taking on a few different roles. And in 2017, he was appointed to run the day-to-day operations of the uh, main Mariners in uh, the ECHL. I think his official title over there is uh, Vice President of uh, Operations. So, so I guess like the the Rick. The, the, the advantage from from this group, I'm always sticking with the same group that we're talking, like the three or four, the three candidates that we know of for sure. His his I guess advantage to it is that he's he's running operations of a hockey of a pro hockey team. Uh, yeah, and and probably as you said, the most experienced, not at the NHL level, of course. Uh, but he, you mentioned that I wear a lot of hats. He does too. 
He's the president, general manager, and VP of hockey operations for the Maine Mariners. And then also um, has a, a role in player development with the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, how does that work? Because the Maine Mariners uh, are not an affiliate of, uh, not an ECHL affiliate of uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, both of those organizations are uh, owned by Comcast. And so there seems to be a friendly, um, pretty friendly relationship there. Um, so Danny Briere, um, maybe not as on, uh, from the Canadians fans side. Uh, yes, uh, Danny Briere played with uh, the Canadians, but remember that he, he kind of snubbed the organization earlier on in his career and chose not to come to Montreal. So I, th- I think for some people, they, they still harbor uh, ill feelings towards him. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe has the most, uh, uh, as far as managing a team, uh, performing the general manager's duties, talent evaluation. Um, he's been on uh, our Press Zone podcast, a very knowledgeable um and uh, I thought it was interesting, and, and Amy Johnson, um, our, our lead uh, correspondent for AHL Report, reported this morning that um, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and this is going to take a minute, so bear with me, uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who are the AHL affiliate of the Philadelphia Flyers, had two coaches um, who were... Uh, hit with COVID. Um, two assistant coaches, Riley Armstrong and Jason Smith. Um, that left Ian Lapierre, as as he's well known, both in Quebec and in in Philadelphia. Ian Laperriere, uh, all alone, as he was, he's the head coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms on the bench. Um, and somehow uh, they got Danny Briere uh, to help out. And so he was behind the bench as the Phantoms' assistant coach on Friday night um, against Wilkesbury, um, Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins uh, in Wilkesbury. Um, and the Phantoms have a three and three this weekend. Uh, again, uh, Friday night against uh, Wilkesbury, as I said. Uh, then in Lehigh Valley against uh, the the Penguins again, and then against the Toronto Marlies on Sunday. Um, and will Danny Breer be behind the, the bench again? We don't know. But uh, I thought it was really interesting um, that Ian LaPerriere's comments after the game, uh, anyone who knows him knows that he's a really emotional guy. And, and Lappy said, listen, I'm too emotional on the bench. I needed somebody to calm me down. Um, and Danny Breer is that guy. He He's so calm on the bench. Uh, he's so good with the players, and he he knows the game so well. He brings a calming uh, presence to the bench. Um, uh, this is kind of uh, in addition to you know all of the um, uh, interviewing that's going on. But I thought it was a really pe- interesting piece of information to add to this GM search about Danny Breer. Um, fascinating to me. And uh, the final candidate that at least we know is that's going part of uh, round two is uh, Kent Hughes. So Hughes, he's an agent with uh, Cortex Management representing some high-profile players such as uh, Patrice Bergeron and uh, Chris Letang. And the interesting thing with Kent Hughes was that he wasn't part of uh, the first round of the interviews. So there's different uh, story, uh, different reports on why. Like some of the reports that, that I heard was that 
he he wasn't he's not a fan of the process he didn't want to be part of this uh tv reality of going through rounds and i don't know getting roses at the end of each round to see whether he advances <laughs> to uh to the next one but he has a strong connection with uh, with jeff gordon and at least it seems like he's still one of the uh, strong candidates um re- remaining in uh in round two He's probably the the least well known of of any of them, certainly by by fans, um, but not as you said by Jeff Gordon, uh, Kent Hughes with Cortex Management. Uh, there's a long list of Montreal um, or Quebec uh, players uh, who are represented by um, uh, Kent Hughes. Uh, you mentioned Bergeron and Latang, also Bavillier, Anthony Bavillier, Marco Scandella. Mike Matheson, Samuel Blay, uh, William Carrier, um, uh, Cortex, uh, although not rep- represented by Kent Hughes, Cortex itself, uh, the agency represents Josh Anderson and Michael Pizzetta. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. And there is that connection. Uh, Kent Hughes's brother, Ryan, was drafted by the Nordique. But then he went on to uh, the Bruins organization at the same time that Gorton was the director of scouting. Um, the, these guys are both from Boston, and, and so they know each other. Uh, certainly, Gorton, when he was part of, of the Bruins organization, um, would have um, done business together with, uh, with uh, uh, Kent Hughes with respect to Patrice Bergeron. Um, so it's, there is this, this connection and and we should say that, that Hughes, yes, he spent, um, his, uh, uh, working days in, in New England, but he's from Montreal. He's fluent in French. Um, and, and as we've mentioned, has a a number of, of, uh, French candidates or French, uh, clients. So, um, very interesting, uh, supposedly a very knowledgeable hockey guy, um, but we'll see how how that that plays out. We should we should mention um, that this this process isn't happening in isolation. Uh, that some of these candidates are also candidates elsewhere, and we know with respect to Matthew Darsh uh, that the Anaheim Ducks are very interested in Matthew Darsh. Um, it, the Ducks are are looking for a GM. The Canucks are looking for a GM. The Blackhawks are looking for a GM. So, uh, you know, the Canadians have to act. Uh, they don't have all the time in the world. They have to act if they want um, uh, yeah. one of these one of these guys. Uh, and RDS did report that uh, Jeff Gordon did not travel to Chicago or Arizona with the team. He stayed back in New York for the next round of GM interviews. So does that mean like the the announcement, the decision is is happening sooner than later? Who knows? Or did Jeff Gordon get fed up of watching the team play? <laughs> so he's like, whatever, I'm staying home in New York. <laughs> I'm watching them on TV like everybody else is. But it's um, and and it, let's it, I, uh, let's let's remind folks that Jeff Gordon isn't doing this on his own. Uh, there's there is a committee with Jeff Molson. Uh, with Bob Gainey, uh, with Michael Michael Andelauer, and and, and um, uh, just we we're talking about connections. Obviously, there's a connection between Michael Andelauer, the owner of of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and Matthew Darsh. Matthew Darsh was the the captain mm-hmm. of the Bulldogs when it was an affiliate of the Canadians. Um, so there's there's other connections uh, at play here, and there's other folks who have um, opinions and influence in the decision. 
and and the names of like as as soon as Mark Bergevin was relieved from his duties, like the names that started circulating was uh, Matthew Darsh. Well, like as soon as the criteria, we knew what the criteria was. The names that came out was Matthew Darsh, Daniel Briere, and Kent Hughes. Those were the names that came up, and you know they went through a whole interview process just to come back to the to those exact same names. Yeah. But that being said, they interviewed more people, like up to 10 people was reported, but it is also expected that some of the other candidates that were interviewed in round one will be considered for other positions in the uh, organization. And I don't know if you want to venture in taking in, in, any any guesses, but I'll just throw out the names out there. Stefan Quintal was reported to be in round one. Um Emilie Castonguet, uh, Daniel Sauvageau, uh, Roberto Luongo, Patrick Wada, that we mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Mark Denis, I don't remember if I said him, but Mark Denis as well, was a part of uh, round one interviews. And in terms of, from those candidates, am I expecting, who am I expecting to be considered for other positions in the organization? I'm, I'm thinking Daniel Sauvageau might go into some kind of uh, player, de- player development type role in in that end because she's had uh, she's been a general manager for for uh, with Hockey Canada she's been a coach uh, for the women's team at the Olympics in 2002 and she was an assistant coach with the Montreal Rocket in um, in 1999 uh, she's helped the Q in several developmental uh, roles as well. So I, th- I think she has a she's likely I think to get a, a role with the organization as um, as well and maybe another name that I expect to get a role would be uh, Emily Castonguay. I think she, I think both of them would uh, get a role from the top three uh, from Darsh Briere or Kent Hughes. I think for them three, if they don't get a GM, like they're not getting another role. Like the well, Kent Hughes wouldn't want another role. First of all, I'm not even sure why he wants a GM role. But I think the other two would likely go on to whatever role they're doing now or with another organization. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. The, the top three are probably not getting another role. Um, Sevajo and, and Castonguay, one of them is a lock. Um, it's an absolute lock that one of them will be joining the organization. It, it, it fulfills uh, what Jeff Molson wants with respect to diversity. Um, interesting one here is Roberto Luongo and, and uh, Sean Burke seems, uh, we haven't heard Sean Burke's name for a long time. And, and, uh, no. um, you know, he, th- there was always the difficulty of him, um, joining, uh, the organization in Montreal. He wanted to do things, uh, uh, remotely. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, boy, would the Canadians love to have a name like Roberto Luongo, uh, managing their goaltending department. Um, that would be, that would be interesting to, to see, um, I think, and, and be kind of a high profile, uh, move. Um, so we'll see, uh, Mark Denis, will he join Chantel? I, I, I don't think so, but, um, but stranger things have happened, I guess. Yeah, I think Mark Denis also like, okay, so obviously he looks like he's out of the, the running for the GM. I think for him was GM where he'll stay with his role with RDS. Yeah. He seems really happy. I think that RDS probably treats him well as well. He's loved by like the, the, the viewers and everybody, so I don't see him going anywhere else unless it was a, uh, for a GM 
uh, GM role. So it's um, and in terms of of the of the timing of the announcement. So we've you know some people are saying it will happen as early as Monday. Others are saying it will be when the team is back home. Uh, so it's really hard to know when a decision will be made. It seems like sounds like it will be imminent. It needs to be imminent if the, the plan, if the intention is to get the general manager involved for trade deadline because trade deadline is is creeping up. It's uh, it's not too far from now. And, you know, if the Canadians are going to make any roster moves, well, they, they need to start having the discussions and start building the team for uh, for the future. So will it be in the next seven days? Will it be in the next 14 days? Uh who knows? I think the Canadians could have milked this and make some money out of this, like a 24 <laughs> GMCH. We, uh, we we should say, um, and I I talked about this uh, in our Slack group, um, uh, our internal Rocket Sports uh, Slack group, that one of the things that um, um, uh, Jeff Molson has said is that he he wants uh, transparency, and and he spoke about that with uh, Chantal Maccabee. I think that that um, that Jeff Molson wants to be known as someone who believes in transparency, but I don't I don't believe that he really believes in real transparency. Um, you know the 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 list of ten or twelve was was leaked to a reporter. Uh, the short list was leaked to a reporter. It wasn't like they've been open and transparent. And we talked about now this is this is football, but the New York Giants um, in our Slack group. I I. I let uh, on their website, uh, they're looking for a GM right now, and and they have a, a GM search tracker on their website uh, of the interviews that they've conducted with a profile of each uh, of the candidates, and links to their YouTube uh, page where uh, two of their reporters break down uh, the 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 candidates uh, that that they've been interviewing. I, now that's real transparency. That's really open uh, transparency, and and I understand that's not for uh, for every organization um, because you know you kind of want to control the process uh, somehow. But if you're talking about um, transparency, what the Giants are doing is kind of the gold standard, and and uh, that's not what what I don't think that's what uh, Molson wants at all. Yeah, and it seems like uh, like that's like an NFL uh, approach as well. Because even like the Chicago Bears that I that I follow for some reason, every day on their Twitter account, and they they post it as well. Like they they post a list because they're searching for a general manager and a head coach, and every day they're posting who they've interviewed. So they interviewed two people on Wednesday, two on Thursday, and two on Friday, and they've named them and for what position. So it's uh, it's quite different which we don't see in hockey in general like we haven't seen that so it's um of that level of transparency like we saw from those nfl teams on uh on their vacancies all right let's take our final break here in the canadians connection podcast when we come back we'll tell you what to look out for on uh, on uh, rocket sports so stay with us you're listening to the canadians connection podcast on rocket sports radio the Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 174 of the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. I'm Chris G at ChrisHabs360 on Twitter, and I'm with uh, Rick Stevens at AllHabs on uh, Twitter as uh, well. So coming up on Rocket Sports uh, Media this week, well, every Monday morning, Habs Notepad, written by myself with the news from across the Canadians or organization over like the weekend. So whether it's what happens in the world of the Canadians, the Laval Rocket, the Trois-Rivières Alliance, it's all summed up in the Habs notepad every Monday. And then for the rest of the week, you'll find game day previews before every game, uh, full uh, post-game recaps by Rick after every single game as well, Habs headlines. So there's plenty of uh, content on allhabs.net. Rick, including Habs Fan Forum by, by Ben. Ben puts out uh, a, a weekly YouTube video. So go to youtube.com slash allhabs. And Ben uh, takes a fan uh, perspective. And uh, this week it was all about the Canadians being back to work and, and, uh, and, and having games to talk about and highlights to talk about. Um, and, uh, so you'll, you'll want to check out that video and all of, uh, the videos that, uh, that he's put together. Uh, it, it, it'll take you eight or nine minutes to, to watch a video and, uh, they're, they're quite entertaining. And also don't forget every Tuesday to, uh, subscribe and listen to the press zone with uh, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens for news on the Canadians of our rocket and, uh, every two weeks joined by, uh, AHL uh, guru uh, Patrick Williams with uh, talking different topics around the American uh, Hockey League. 
and and also Rick, like on on Facebook, there was you know, there's a lot of participation, a lot of action, and I know one of the one of the many hot topics of the Canadians uh, this week was the uh, was the opinion of that controversial goal that we spoke about at the start of uh, of today's episode, and there was a lot of action around that uh, that post. My goodness, um, <laughs> that fans really reacted and that's facebook.com slash all Habs if you go there there's a community of about 50,000 Habs fans just like you uh, who share their opinions uh, every single day in our uh, in our community on Facebook uh, they were not happy fans were not happy about the decision not happy about uh, uh, the 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 dislodging of the goal and the goal counting and certainly not happy about uh, that the play was ruled onside. Uh, there was also another post that got a lot of attention. Um, 100,000 uh, uh, people reached, so it was beyond uh, the Canadians community. Uh, and that's when I post that the Canadians had fallen into 32nd place uh, for the very first time in their history. Um, the Arizona Coyotes had uh, got a 2-1 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs Wednesday night. And that uh, dropped the Canadians into last place in the league. And uh, fans were uh, shared their opinions about why that is, what happened, and uh, their general uh, disgust about uh, the season that has been uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And some offered, um, you know, a remedy for um, for for looking forward and uh, mm-hmm. and celebrating uh, already uh, the Shane Wright. Uh, the pick of, of Shane Wright. Now, it's no guarantee that with the lottery system, the Canadians will end up with the first pick, but they should have uh, a very good pick uh, in the first round, uh, uh, this upcoming draft that uh, hopefully will be held in Montreal. And, well, there's three more games this week, so I'm sure there'll be a lot more opinions on our Facebook page as well for something that's going to happen as the Canadians continue their seven-game road trip on Monday. And it's uh, please note it's a 4 p.m. Eastern start on Monday as the Canadians are in Arizona to face the Coyotes. And then on Tuesday, the, the Canadians are in Dallas. And then on Thursday, the Canadians are in uh, Vegas to face the uh, Golden Knights. And then... Uh, we'll be back for our next episode of the Canadian Connection podcast next Saturday, January 22nd. So make sure to subscribe to the Canadian Connection on your favorite podcast app and share on social media. Leave a rating and leave your comments uh, as well on your uh, podcast player. Rick, thank you very much. It was great having you back in the host chair. Uh, first time in 2022 and, and there was lots to cover today. Uh, there's going to be, I think, lots of roster movement, and maybe we'll have some more GM news uh, by next Saturday's episode. Uh, so be sure to join us uh, for next week's Canadians Connection. Yeah. So on behalf of Rick, my name is Chris at Chris After Sixty on Twitter. Thank you for listening to Canadians Connection uh, podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, and we'll talk to you again next week. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.